Welcome to the new series from Performance Works International, Guest Practices. I'm Jeremy Blaine, CEO of Performance Works International, and I'll be running a series of videocasts with special guests who have a story to tell from both business and life experiences. The conversations are designed to explore their journey, uncovering new ideas, innovations, and next practices that we can all learn from and be inspired by. For today's episode of Guest Practices, I'm welcoming not one, but two experts, Dan Sodegren and Michal Wisnowski. Dan, you probably know from the BBC. You may have heard him on the radio or seen him on BBC News talking about the latest tech stories and marketing issues of today. In fact, he used to own a marketing agency and is a serial tech startup entrepreneur in Manchester where he lives. In fact, he is an early investor in the HR tech company Flock, which is all about organisational culture. This was founded by my second guest, Michel, who studied organisational culture at the University of Manchester and set up the business in the city. That's where he met Dan. The whole essence of the business is building it on a technology platform that can inform the culture of the organisational team and create more productive cultures through data and science. We explore this more during this episode and please feel free to comment and share your own experiences below. Hello and welcome to this next guest practices from Performance Works International. I'm delighted to say hello to Dan and Michael today. Hi, how are you doing? Oh, yeah. Hi. So I've made uh, I've made the introduction of you and your company a little bit, but but Michal, perhaps you can start by doing the same. Tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your company, and what is your passion? Oh, okay, passion as well. So my name is Michael, and I'm the founder of Flock. So in short, Flock is a SaaS platform that provides a digital team development coach helping remote teams increase their revenue by creating more productive cultures using data and science. Uh, my passion, um, bird watching, of course. That's why the name, fuck. <laughs> okay, this Just is joking. not what I was expecting when I talked about what's your passion. However, <laughs> thank you very much. So does that make you, what? what is it called here? A twitcher, a tweeter, a birder? What is that? Well, so I'm not really a... Uh, uh, I'm not really a bird watcher. No offense to people who love bird watching. Uh, actually, the, the the reason why we set up uh, flock is because of the attributes of of birds. So you've got birds uh, who got unique feather features. So we treat each person as as a unique individual. So they we embrace the individuality. Uh, birds made for life as well. So there's this retention, and we're in it for the long run. And also flocks work and so it's all about collaboration for us as well yeah and i see how that links very closely to culture at the center of all this too yes, exactly. so thank you very much uh, so michael or michael i call you michael but uh, michael if both. you prefer yes both okay both and uh, and uh, over to dan and i've got to say first of all dan that's a lovely shirt where on earth did you get that then <laughs> thank you very much yes no, a, a good friend of mine andy uh, makes these shirts and uh, as, as you know as you well know, yes. I, I wear them on the BBC and other things because I am not only contractually obliged to, uh, because <laughs> that's part of the deal, but also I'm a massive advocate of what they do. Uh, they also do a great shirt. I was wearing it actually yesterday for another uh, 
video podcast with someone, and uh, it's not this one, but I have a little chip inside the cut in the inside the cuff, this cash cuff, so you can actually pay for things contactlessly. Um, but this one doesn't have it in, so it's, it's a kind of shirt of the future. Oh, we, we we know. We've had Andy as a guest on this before, so ah! he demonstrated this exactly. But you've got something additionally to that, haven't you, which nobody else has got for COVID times. Show us that. I, I think they, they're now bringing them out, actually. They're now, they're now doing the problem. This is a prototype from many years ago. So, so I also have a... Uh, Come on. Own I mask. mean, this is... This is, this this is uh, High, fashion, high fashion meets digital. So anyway, Dan, look, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you're involved with uh, Flock and the other things you do and, and your passion. Well, I mean, I'd say my passion is fashion, but that would simply not be the case. I'm just very lucky that I have a, uh, some good friends. I actually, actually had a T-shirt company years and years ago. It's still going now, THCC, which is the, the hem training company. It's an ecological fashion company and they're still going strong now. It makes really cool T-shirts. So there you go. Well, that's one of my passions is uh, green, green stuff, the environment. You know, but actually, my biggest passion is making the world a better place. And I know it sounds a little bit twin, a bit coy, and a bit silly, but that's the reality. I believe that we're on the planet to make it better, not to make it worse. And I think that in work, we can, the future of work will be around values and purpose and drive and actually making the world a better place. If we make it a worse place, it won't exist. So 25 years ago, I was trying to do it around hemp and the environment. Now I'm doing it with Flock and making the world a better place. It's probably about the, the ninth or tenth company I've run. I've run a few. I've bore you with all the details, but I now have the joy of going on the BBC and other stuff. And that's how I got on there because I'm just very old. So I've done lots of stuff. And uh, but as my mum rightly says, you know, you're not so clever. You're not, not sitting on a beach. Uh, she has a good point. I'm not a, I'm not a multimillionaire. I'm not on the beach. Uh, but Flock, I'm hoping, will be the next way we can. So we started this, uh, well, Mikel started this tech company uh, and as a SaaS platform. And, um, and actually, I, I tried to build something very similar about seven or eight years beforehand. And the irony being is it failed because I didn't get the right team on board. So we were trying to build this thing around team culture and SaaS propositions and algorithm. Remember, seven or eight years ago, it was a bit before his time. And we couldn't get the right team. So when Mikel told me what he'd done, I was like, oh, my God, this is brilliant. So I invested in Flock a couple of years ago. And then he's been so kind to let me come on board and, uh, and help him from then on. So, uh, yeah, I do, I do that. And I help a lot of other tech companies with the landing and some other things. But, um, you know, I do, do a few things. Right. The dream team at Flock then, no doubt about it. And uh, we need more people like you in the world right now, Dan, I would say as well. It's um, it's actually a great transformational opportunity, not just in business, but in life, as, as we know around the world. But businesses particularly, you know, coming into 2020, we were already going through transformation. We were already in the era of high disruption. Uh, companies weren't transforming quick enough. Old cultures did not suit where the company was going, either from a digital perspective or the changes in the workforce. So, you know, coming to you first, uh, Michal, and getting straight into this point about values and behaviours, the drivers of culture. You know, why should uh, organisations, functions and even teams really focus on their culture right now in terms of the world of work now? Well, so that's a great question and, and I think a very popular question right now as well. And I think the reason uh, why we should maintain and invest in a strong and purpose-driven culture right now is because we really operate in a time of uncertainty. Uh, companies are uh, going into the unknown and we personally are operating in the unknown as well. Uh, and as I always say, neuroscience shows that uncertainty produces the most anxiety even more than the pain itself. So there's this anticipation of the unknown 
that can uh, do a lot of damage for us because we just anticipate the worst. So a strong culture that everyone commits to creates this safe space and like a little island of, of certainty. And uh, so if you have your team purpose, you know why you do it. If you've got your core values, you sort of know how you do it. And then once you behave in the way that adheres to it, it becomes this robust uh, community uh, that you know, can achieve success regardless of what's happening. So I think you know, if you build it right, um, then people will fight for your company like it's their own. Uh, and you can then start building a company that's uh, you know, much more agile, much more adaptable. So, for example, uh, Gallup study finds that I think 53% of uh, individuals would leave their current job for another one that offers remote working. So that's a great opportunity for companies that do. Uh, so if you create a strong culture, uh, you know, remote working would be much easier as people will already feel part of the team, part of the purpose. And all you need then is the digital tools that will help you to enable it, and scale it, but that's a completely different topic, the digital uh, stuff. So uh, I'm just going to finish with, with a sentence that, you know, if you don't have this strong culture now, people will probably leave once it's all over. So it's very important to, to maintain it. I, I love it. Um, uncertainty creates anxiety. Culture is the island of safety uh, in terms of what you're saying. And of course, where we are right now, this this huge shift to remote working that's being forced on many companies um, is uh, is the perfect opportunity to re-engineer the culture that's appropriate for that world because it's uh, it's different. And that, that means not just probably with your permanent workforce, but with independent workforces too. So um, Dan, do you have anything to add on to that in terms of the importance of this kind of evolving uh, corporate culture today? Well, I mean, you know, as you know, so much that I've been talking about it for 10 years. So, you know, I've been uh, talking about digital transformation and we've been saying that actually digital transformation is actually about people transformation. And we've been getting it wrong for a little while. And I've been talking about digital triggers and all sorts of stuff because I'm a, I'm a massive tech kind of person. I love a bit of a tech evangelist. So I had a augmented reality company like seven or eight, in fact, maybe even 11 years ago. I'm that old. So a long time ago. So I've been quite, you know, ahead of the curve of this tech stuff. But actually the, the stuff that's really happened now in the last, you know, 10 months or six months, that's the real deal. That's the real stuff. And that's come because of a, a, an awful external force that has been pushed against us. However, it's also accelerated digital transformation and this other cultural and organizational stuff so rapidly that even as futurists, you know, are, are pretty agog. Because, of course, you could never see this coming. This is the black swan moment, yeah? But the other thing of this is it's an amazing opportunity. It's a huge opportunity. If you don't get your culture right now, or if your culture was bad before, you're going to know because people will leave. And when you start asking people to come back, they will go, oh, I'm not 100% sure. I'm just going to pause for a bit. So a lot of people have this, they've said the great reset and these other lovely terms that we now use. But a lot of people have gone back and gone, wait a minute, what I stand for and what I believe in is really important now, You know, maybe more than ever before. You know, and if you find there's a culture misalignment with your own personal cultural values and those of your employer, this is when you're going to leave. So I think there's like 34% of people uh, would leave work due to a culture misalignment. And this cost the British economy a huge amount, not from my global group, the British economy cost about, they say it's about £24 billion a year, yeah, 
because people are leaving and because of low productivity. And I, I come from a very businessy background, so I'm going to go for it from the money point of view. Yeah, it literally, if people are not engaged in work in this future of work post COVID, your business will not will not exist. Yeah, if if you know if they're not all on the same side with remote work and all these other things that are happening, I don't think your business will exist. You add into the mix next, you know, with AI and all these other things that are happening, and my goodness, you, you know, this is a land grab. You know, look at Apple, and I'll, I'll try not to get too excited about it, but this is the reality. Apple, great culture, yeah? I'm not saying, by the way, when I say great culture, I'm not saying Apple are great. I'm saying they have a very, very cohesive culture, and I'm not necessarily saying they're good, so they're other suppliers, I'm not, so I'm not an Apple fanboy. I'm actually pretty agnostic when it comes to phone. I have a variety of different ones, a Huawei and other ones as well, that's not the point. But you look at how much money they're now worth, yeah? So Apple are worth, you know, the one company is worth 99 of the other companies in the FTSE 100. Apple's valuation is bigger than the 99. This is how powerful culture is. It used to be that it was something like you were 21% more profitable if you had a values-led company. Well, that's, it's now times by 100. It's insane. Now, other people make better phones, but I can pretty much guarantee you it's the culture that Apple have created and then the brand and everything else that comes from that that has made them worth $2 trillion. <laughs> Two trillion. That's that's a you know it's a it's a it's a billion dollars made since Christ was born. You know if he ever was. You know to <laughs> the beginning of time. It's an insane amount of money, and that's because they have a great product, but also they have an amazing culture, and that is the secret sauce. And that's why I get so excited by it. You know, you, that is the biggest difference. And in this next bit, which will be a huge jump forward, uh, you know, with the loads of technology behind, and I won't talk too much about the tech transformation stuff, but. Without a solid culture, without the right people on board, you will not be able to jump forward. And that, that's why it's so important. It's a great example, actually, the the Silicon Valley full stop dynamic, really. You know, Apple being being among that, but people are voting with their feet for or against culture, against the traditional cultures, embracing these new cultures, which... Uh, think the corporate space very differently, create different values and behaviors um, that are that are um, institutionalized really in a way that uh, bring the people together and engage and mobilize them. And uh, that's a staggering statistic that a third of all people here in the UK are leaving their organization because of a culture mismatch. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's frightening. And this is why it's so important for culture, you know, particularly as organizations like Apple, Facebook, uh, Spotify, uh, don't have to be American, <laughs> but you know, all of these, yeah, yeah. these companies, um, they're, they're creating a new empowering culture. Uh, they, they are embracing leadership at all levels. They're yeah. giving people the opportunity to shine, not making it exclusive, but an inclusive sort of talent with a small T uh, pool. Mm-hmm. And this is all about the culture, isn't it? And I think it's a great example of where it's, uh, Apple's a great example of where it's working and the benefits that it can, that it can drive because sometimes the, the culture can transcend difficult financial or economic times as well can't it yeah absolutely yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's so many other ones as well around you know again they're not necessarily the companies that you want to necessarily see winning but you know even amazon which is meant to have a slightly odd culture let's say actually has a much better culture because it's a cohesive culture compared to others and as you, you brilliantly said and i was going to talk about this later but spotify is that is i think it's one of my apart from gymshark who are one of my other favorite um employee brand brands at the moment but but Spotify does an amazing job of empowering their own people and wanting them to be 
famous. You know, they want each one of them to become famous in their own right. And it's that, it's that, it's that excitement of you bringing in the kind of the B2B, turns into B2C, which actually becomes me to me, which is the employee, the strength of employee brand. You know, this is this is the future. Of, this is the future of work. This is the future of life. So, uh, you know, bring in the gig economy as well. And my goodness, we'll have a. It's going to be an interesting ten years. Oh wow! Yeah, you're bringing all of these things, all of these things that I know that both of us are passionate about around <laughs> this this transformational period that we're in. Let's better not get into that. Uh, so I'm going to come back to you, Mikhail, now because we've talked about the upsides. Um, but, and we've also talked sort of broadly about the downsides of culture. Can you give any examples of um, of organisations that that perhaps haven't got this right and the the fallout of getting it wrong or the cost of doing nothing around evolving your company culture? Well, so I always like to focus on the positive, but <laughs> like for example, uh, Spotify. Spotify is a great company. They've got a great company culture, like. Uh, all around autonomy, as you said, they I think they created this concept of squats and the way they work is all around autonomy. So it's a great example to look at. But I've actually prepared a list of companies that didn't get it right. I'm not <laughs> sure if I should actually name them. But <laughs> um, you can you can talk about a large tech company, a fa- whatever you like. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but if they've already failed, then I think you can name them. No, no, so they both still exist. And uh, those are the companies that got it wrong, especially during the lockdown. So there's one company uh, which is a rubbish collector. So not, 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 not a tech company, but uh, they had a conversation with the trade unions and the, the CEO said that they will not increase the sick pay, which is okay. You know, if the company is in financial troubles, you know, it could happen. But his justification was that coronavirus is not as severe as flu, which is, of course, wrong, right? Because there's almost one million people who died of coronavirus. So the way you know, he approached that was, was horrible. And he still gave you know, minimum wage to employees uh, in his business. So that's the first example. I'll come back to it. The second example is a, is a very large hotel business who, once the lockdown started, they actually uh, fired people from uh, from work, but the way they did it, they sent security staff to their work accommodation, turned the power off, and at the beginning of the lockdown, they got fired and became homeless. So that's like the worst that could, the worst thing you can do as an employer. Both of those examples, employers are clearly not leaders. All they do is they caring about themselves and making sure they are okay financially, and they don't care about the employees. So the consequences of that is obviously employees would want to leave. And if they don't leave, they will stay and just do the bare minimum. So all this research that goes behind employees being engaged, being more profitable, more productive, that will definitely not happen. It will go on the other end of the spectrum and people will become less productive. But I think... You know, all companies, and I know different companies that also acted in a way that didn't really support their employees and tried to just uh, stay the same way as they were. And I think what those companies are missing is this opportunity to improve. And we talked about it before. You know, lockdown creates this opportunity to accelerate for a business. As you said at the start, a lot of companies were talking about digital transformation a year ago, but nothing really happened. Now, everyone is going through the change. 
everyone's forced to do this change, so you might as well do it right. And this lockdown is this opportunity to become more digital, to become more connected with your employees. And as you say, Jeremy, become this 21st century business. And uh, the companies that don't do it will lose out. And the companies that will do it will become the leaders of the next year or the next two years. Mm-hmm. You, you make some very good examples there, actually, Michal. And, uh, and we, we only have to go back a few years as well to look at what's happened in financial services, Lehman Brothers, mm-hmm. what's happened with big famous companies uh, where their culture has almost destroyed them from within, like Kodak. Uh, for example, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of almost infighting internally about what was really important without really what was what was the next leap in terms of uh, digital versus analog, all of these kind of things. And that hotel group you mentioned, you know, they also own a chain of um, uh, holiday camps in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> he said, trying not to mention them. And they've been in the news. And the interesting impact is not just on the employees, of course, it's people like us who are potential customers out there saying, I'd never stay there. I'm not going there. I not only because I don't like what I'm seeing there, but also I don't like how the company are treating them. This is the age. I mean, we're we're seeing through the pandemic. This is the age of more empathy-led leadership, human-centered leadership, all of these things. Companies that don't demonstrate it aren't bought into culture. And that that brings me to what you've done. And I'm going to come back to you, actually, Michal, first, if you don't mind because I've got an interesting question for Dan next based on his previous experience. So talking about flock, one one thing that really that obviously be, being in the being in this space for many years myself, what I've seen you do is take a slightly different spin on culture, put to, put it together with very accessible and simple digital tech and look at it as a tool not just at organizational level but for team level and how team cultures are built and also how it might be appropriate for certain activities that we that we take, not just how we function as a business, but how we recruit and attract, for example. So can you can you tell me a little bit more about, you know, how your customers engage with you and kind of what are the benefits of what you've been creating in Flock above and beyond what has been rather big, meaty processes around culture of the past? Mm-hmm. Well, so let me give you an example. So uh, the reason why I set up Flock is because of my own experience. And if you work in an average organization, you usually have two jobs. And the second job, nobody's paying you for. And the, fir- the, the second one is really you hiding your weaknesses or you looking good or managing others' opinions of what they think of you. And that's the single biggest waste of time that's, of company resources. So now imagine a, a, a different company that's sending a totally different message that they hired you because you're good and not perfect and that we all here to get better. And, and the only way to get better is to make mistakes, identify our strengths, weaknesses, and work together towards this common goal. And that's what really Flock does. It reduces this waste of time on your second job. And it's especially tailored for remote teams. So it's a really a, a digital tool. So let me give you a quick overview. It's a quick, it's a digital tool that you can spend five minutes on and that can help your team to collectively identify their strengths, their real you, your strengths, and show you how you uniquely fit with your remote team. 
And then based on that, Flock provides you with insights, action plans of how you can collectively play to your strengths and create a culture that's more productive and more meaningful for everyone. Uh, and we've got some companies like uh, Mediacom who used it. We've got Coventry University to use it, uh, who's using it. And it, you, all you need to spend is as little as 15, 20 minutes per week uh, and during your team meetings to keep, a tr keep track of your culture and keep setting actions to make sure you're working together towards this you know, desired state. Uh, so if you have team members in your team who work remotely, you can do our Flock survey to find out whether they actually are enjoying working from home and how you can work with them to play to their strengths. Make sure you work better and they are still engaged even though they work in isolation. Um, and I think there's this great statistic that uh, Gallup found that one in five people feel lonely when they work from home. And if people feel lonely, they're 21% less productive. So Flock really helps you to minimize the cost and improve employee well-being. That, that's, that's great. It's great that you mentioned well-being, mental health. That is, again, front and center. I'm in the middle of a new piece of research about emerging leadership trends and feedback from employees suggests that the, the, the approach to wellness and mental health of them as employees is trumping traditional things like salary, um, skills, and what have you as a key foundation stone for them to be in the organization at the heart of culture, clearly mm -hmm. moving forward, you know. And, and I love what you said there is that culture should finally be on the agenda of our weekly meetings. It never mm -hmm. is. Yeah, it never is. And what a great way of doing it. So I'm going to come to Dan because, Dan, you mentioned when you, when you started a similar business, uh, probably probably way ahead of the game, actually, a few years ago, and found <laughs> that your team wasn't quite right there. Yeah. Um, the interesting question now is, have you tried this within Flock? Or if you prefer, um, well, what customers, uh, without naming names, of course, what customers uh, have tried this? And, and what, what surprises or insights has it thrown up that uh, has allowed them to put this front of centre? Well, I'm not going to, um, I would be very tempted to start listing a whole thing of testimonials from people. And we're very lucky. We have people like Sandy Lindsay who's on our board, who's from uh, Tangerine, for OBE, for, um, uh, Tangerine and other businesses. She's done, we've done it all with those businesses, and I'm sure she's very happy to, to talk to people about it. And even to, uh, she sings our praises and they love what we've done in, in you know, the Juice Academy and Tangerine and several other businesses. But I'm not here to name drop, even though I was obviously just it. In fact, actually, I am, because the B about to say the BBC, well, the BBC might be using it well as well. So I'm quite excited by that one. So there we'll see. But that that is starting off. Um, so yeah, we've got lots and lots of, but not. We'd love more people to be using it. Of course, we'd love, love the whole world to be using it. But uh, we have quite a few folk that are using it. I'll talk about us if I if I may, if that's okay, because I know that I'm not treading on any toes and not doing anything silly. So what I learned about, I mean, I I, had, I actually did the flock test or the flock survey and the, and the values test before I invested. In fact, anyone who invests in the business, anyone who works for Flock or even suppliers of Flock, they all have to do the survey there because, of course, they, we all have to be aligned. It would be a bit ironic if we then work with people that weren't culturally aligned with ourselves and weren't a good values fit and a value add. So even before putting money into the business, I, I did the test. Thankfully, <laughs> I passed, so to speak. Now, of course, there's no right and wrong with values, but there is cultural alignment and misalignment, and we are very highly aligned. And one of the ways the team, and we are a remote team as well, we have uh, people in Nigeria and in Poland and, and in the UK and, and in parts of different parts of the UK. One of our 
key things is customer focus. Yeah, one of our key things is customer focus. The other one is professional development. And and then there's a third, which is around caring. And um, and I'm a bit of a hippie, so yeah, I'm very much a caring person. I want to change the world as well. But our, our big one is customer focus. And that gives us a really good culture for where we are. Yeah, because we are a SaaS platform, a tech SaaS platform that continually changes, and it's about people. So if we weren't customer focused, I'd be a bit worried about us doing it because you have to be, yeah, in this world, this thing that the tech world sometimes isn't, and they create bits of tech that no one ever uses again because they were never customer focused. They never even asked anyone whether they should build it in the first place and what they should change. The other one that I particularly love about Flock is we're about personal development. So in our team meetings, we know, because we're quite objective-led, that we should be talking about, okay, you know, almost to the extent that we actually do this, we actually do every day. We talk about what are the three things we're going to do to have a successful day. We then, at the end of it, you know, what did you do at the end of that one and the end of the week? We'll say, how is it successful? What are we celebrating? How have you, you know, almost how have you become a better person professionally? And also, what can we do next week and next month to start making sure you learn more stuff? Because I'm all about always learning, you know, you know my obsessions about learning new stuff. So that's what I love about working with and Fort Flock because. We're all those types, and I don't say types of people because that makes it sound a bit odd, but we are all customer focused. So you don't have to have a, no one's sitting there going, oh, why are, we, why, are we, why are we watching more videos? Why are we talking to customers more? Why are we doing more interviews? Because everyone knows we're all customer focused. You know, customer feedback is king, and that feedback's the breakfast of champions, and that's how we're going to get a great company. Now, there are other things. There are nine different attributes in, in Flock, and of course, everyone's going to be different. You're going to have your three core uh, motivation and strengths. There are other ones that I'm particularly strong on, which is like things like autonomy. Um, so I'm very autonomous. I've been remote working for maybe two decades without even realizing it was a fashionable thing to do. Um, you know, whereas other people in the business are, are much nicer than I am. So they're much more about teamwork and the importance of that. And so they found the beginning of remote work different and a bit more challenging, which I kind of took it because I was already doing it a bit like a duck to water. And that's the power of using Flock as well, because you can then look at it and go, oh, heck. You know, and it might even be the boss, dare I say, Mikel, who found it a bit more challenging to start off with because he's more about teamwork. So we knew as a group we had to support Mikel in him being alone in the you know, by himself or with others, but without the team around him. So we did more team calls, didn't we, Mikel, to make sure that you were supportive. And we did more uh, more informal uh, Zoom calls and chats, uh, whereas I would, I would never have known that he would need that because I'm not very empathetic. So it helps me with my lack of emotional intelligence. So we use it, yeah, of course. We drink our own champagne, we use it all the time. And so we're, and we know how to make it better and better. So uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I thought it'd be better to use us as the example rather than another company. Great, great. I love the analogy. You drink your own champagne. Beautifully put. Yes, exactly. It is champagne after all, not not cheap white wine. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Well, yeah, well, yes. Some, well, the Americans say the Americans say eat your own dog food. And I just think that's yeah. just a dreadful way of putting it. That's yeah, Because yeah, yeah. A, you're not making dog food. And also, no one wants to eat their own dog food. What a strange way of looking at it. Yes. Of, yeah. Of, of well, we don't have to get we don't have to get fully into that, but I get it. And and actually, <laughs> what the the uh, the nice thing is, and and one of the things why I really like what you two are building here is that you're living and breathing it every day. And I don't know many organisations, even those focused on culture, that do so in the way that you do. And I think it's a really important message that you're sending to our our viewers and listeners uh, out here. So. You know, we're, we're coming to the end of this uh, fascinating discussion. So perhaps, you know, I'll come actually straight back to you, Dan, as an entrepreneur, as a business leader, as investor, saying, so 
to you, what in the context of the discussion that we've had broadly today around uh, culture, etc., what is the cost of ignoring culture as a, a key success factor for moving the business forward today in today's transformational workspaces? Yeah, I, I think you've only got um, you've only got one bigger thing that you should be more we should be worried about, if I'm honest. And even worried is the wrong word. You know, AI is with us now. So artificial intelligence is with us now. It's, I was on a uh, radio yesterday today talking about it. And, and I truly believe it is the electricity of the next age. It will be that important. If your business is not using AI inside it, no matter how big the business is, it really literally doesn't make a difference how big it is. You will need to. But the other one, which will subsidize all this stuff, is going to be culture. Yeah, AI will be taking, you know, will be adding value and potentially changing the way we work. But it's always going to be people. And those people are your currency. You know, that is the reality. If you don't have the right people on board, your business will not survive. This next year or so, we will see a huge destruction of businesses. But we'll also see a huge number of businesses either land grabbing, taking the best talent. You know, the people, there must be so many tech companies sitting there going, oh, my goodness, all these people are furloughed. And they're going, yes, please, we'll take all the best talent. Thank you. You know. Google's going to start building its own campuses and its own villages. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, and that's exactly happening now. Apple will do the same. Amazon will do the same. We'll go back to this kind of Bourneville and Cadbury kind of model where they'll literally start owning you know, villages and towns. That's the future of work. Yeah. So it's not just remote. It's actually remote. It's a hybrid model where you actually might even live on campus like a military base. That's the future. Now, that, I was saying this yesterday in a different podcast, I'm very scared by that proposition because I'm, I'm always very scared of monopolies. And I don't, I'm not a massive fan of that because I don't think it works for capitalism. I don't think it works for us all. And it certainly doesn't work, for, doesn't work for society. So we've got to be careful of those people taking too much power and take too much talent. And the only way that we are going to not lose talent is to be better ourselves. We have to build back better businesses. That is the key mantra for this bit. Take this opportunity to build back better. Don't let the other people take your talent because they will, obviously, that's the game. Don't let them get too big. Um, we need smaller businesses. We need lots and lots of small businesses. We don't need five or six people owning everything. Because believe you me, that doesn't end well for the consumer. Um, I don't really know if that was what you wanted me to talk about, but I just thought I'd go for it. It's a slightly deeper thing than, but you know, if you don't protect your employee brand now, believe you me, in the next few years, they will take your talent. That's the reality. Yeah, it it, but it's so much a heart of it, and it goes back to actually something you you said initially in this in this bit, which is bound that the the relationship between the digital and the human, the organisations that are separating those are the ones that are finding it most difficult because, of course, you know, one enables the other. Um, the human touch is more important than it ever was in the digital era. It's a symbiotic relationship, not a separate relationship. And it's at the heart of culture. You use that dig- digital technology and thread to bind things together and to make it easy to engage, mobilize, collaborate, communicate, do all of these things. And it's those companies that are doing that well. And yes, they might go one step further and buy villages and do all of this kind of thing. But ultimately, they're evolving their culture in a way that they feel will be attractive to not only their existing employees, but potentially for new recruits who want who want a piece of it. Right. So. So thank you for that, Dan. And and Michal, for, for, for your final word, obviously, the flip side is this in the context of our discussion again, you know, with real focus on culture. What's the prize for any organization getting it right? Well, so I think it's, it's 
the best way to compare it to is the founder. So, you know, every founder that sets up a business has got this passion to make the business successful, to, you know, keep the business going, keep accelerating. And I think if you get your culture right, it's like having a team full of people with the same passion to make the company successful. And once you have that, then you have better attention, better productivity, performance, well-being, everything goes through it. So it really sits at the core. Once you have that passion and drive, then all other financials follow up. Yeah. yeah I so just quick on the on the finance there as well, because I think there's a I'm sorry to, to bring it down to finance at the end, but we all know, you know, a bad hire can cost, you know, anything up to three hundred percent of the of the first annual salary. So if you're 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 getting a tech person wrong and you're paying them eighty thousand pounds, then well actually getting this wrong costs you a quarter of a million. You know, that that's the reality. And if you do that ten times, then yeah, and if you do that a hundred times, then yeah, that's the difference between not existing in a year and a half's time. That's the that's the yeah. reality of it. You know, and uh, I know it's a bit brass tacks at the end of the day, but you know, business can be about finance and can be about bottom line, and you've got to look at the the cost of getting this wrong. And it's much higher than people are thinking about. Now. Does that work? Just curious. Does that work the other way around? So, if you get that right higher at that high cost, they're really productive. They're really good. Can you quantify that the other way? Well, I think this next bit, and this is kind of a little bit off topic, but this next bit will be fascinating because you start looking at the multiplier of. People, 70% of people think they're more productive working from home or working remotely. You know, people are about between 20 and 30% uh, better when they are more engaged. When you start looking at those factors of not being scared, being more able, feeling free, yeah, I think you're going to find that becomes a multiplier. It's not just, it's 20 times 70 times whatever. So mm. it's an insane amount of money on the upside. But of course, one of the ironies of life itself is that you don't recognize the upside until it's gone. You know, this is the problem, isn't it? It's the, it's the risk analysis moment. It's not the profit side. It's literally, we're going to lose a million pounds this year because people aren't being productive. Well, actually, it, it could be five or 10 million pounds up. But of course, by then you're successful. And you say, well, it's because we're so clever. <laughs> you know, the board sit there and say, well, we're really good. But actually, it's your people and your culture that was great. It wasn't necessarily the board. That's right. And therefore, that 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 glue of having something that captures those people in terms of fit with the culture, the evolving culture, you know, really setting them up for success rather than setting them up for failure and and the cost of the business, as you say, which which we've seen so many times uh, in the last sort of 10 years, particularly, um, and continue to see now. Look, this has been an absolutely fabulous discussion and very insightful. So for for those watching and listening this, um, Michal, how do they how do they get in touch? How do they find out more? Yes, so our uh, company name is Your Flock. It's yourflock.co.uk. Uh, to, we will probably uh, send a link, a special VIP link for anyone who listened to this webinar, uh, where you can sign up to our platform and enjoy the first couple of profiles for free. We might as well make it 10 free pro- profiles for free. Mr. Ambassador, you spoil us at uh, Guest Practices. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, do send me the link and we'll make sure that we put it on the on the video as well. Look, thank you to both of you for, for joining us and thank you to our viewers for, for tuning in again. And um, goodbye. Have a great day. Have a great day. Thank thank you. Take care. See you. Thank you for joining our Guest Practices videocast. Please do subscribe to our YouTube channel through the link below 
or check out our website to access more in our current series of expert interviews.